Good evening everyone. Tonight's class is titled The Fight of the Souls and it's very appropriate that tonight's class is dedicated to Pesach Katz who was a fighter. Who's yeah. someone who who fought with all his might and all his soul and may his memory be a blessing. We're on we're in, Tanya, in the Tanya, page 36. We've begun chapter 9 and we've discussed where is the abode of the animalistic soul and the godly soul? The animalistic soul lives in our heart. The nefesh habahamis lives in our heart. The godly soul lives in our brain. And we finished saying that what is a beginning measure to know if something is holy or unholy is to know where does it begin from. When you have an interest in something, did it come from your heart first? Your heart desires it or if it's coming from your heart, it's from your nefesh habehamit. It's lust. It's a negative thing. And if it began with the intellect, then most probably it's coming from the godly soul and it's a holy and special thing. Now we're going to go ahead and say that these two souls, the animalistic soul and the godly soul, they are waging a full-on war. The war is so complete, the war is so real, that the godly soul does not give an inch to the animalistic soul. The animalistic soul does not want to give an inch to the godly soul. The problem is that unless we're at Sadiq, we still have the animalistic soul. So we can't really, we could get rid of it if we're at Sadiq, but otherwise we may our whole life be fighting. And what's fascinating is, we're going to learn in Tanya, that if you fight your whole life and you never win, you're still a winner. Hashem wants us to be fighters. When are you, when do you stop fighting? After this world. That's when we stop fighting. But this fight is a constant fight. Page 36, we're in the middle of chapter 9. Last line on the right hand column. It is written, however, Page 38, one nation shall prevail over the other nation. Ula'aim, ula'aim, yamat. Genesis 25-23, the Pasuk is telling us, it's regarding Yaakov and Esav, Jacob and Esav. They're fighting. One nation shall prevail over the other nation. Just one second. I want to say three translations within this pasuk. The simple meaning is that Yaakov and Esav are always going to fight. A one-time story in history. A deeper translation is that Kedusha and Klipa holiness, and we'll just call it evil, will always fight. But an even deeper meaning, and that's the meaning we're going to take today, is that your own, within your own body, the godly soul and the animalistic soul are going to always fight. Let's read that Pasuk again. One nation shall prevail over the other nation. This is the fight of the souls. There's a constant fight between the two souls. Yes, hello, Shlomo. Is, um, 
you were speaking of just a minute or two ago about Esau and Jacob. Yeah. Is it does this come up because Esau fooled their father thinking he was Jacob at one time? Is that true? It comes up be because Yaakov represents holiness and Esau represents the opposite of holiness. And so that's why we're using this analogy. And the Pasuk continues on. The, the Tanya continues on. And Tanya tells us the body is called a small city. Our body, the Gemara in Nidarim, tells us is a, is a small city. And therefore there is a fight over this city. Our body is called a city and we're within a world. So there's this constant fight. Just as two kings wage war over a town which each wishes to capture and rule. You have two kings and they're fighting over a town. Now you'll never find that those two kings say, you know what, I'll be king in the morning and you'll be king at night. I have my policies and procedures in the morning. That, that doesn't work. When there's a fight, each king is going to want to take full control. They will not allow the other king, the smallest dominance in any way, to even have any representation. They're going to try and cut it out. Look around. When there's two, two figures fighting, they don't just try and they try to completely destroy the other person. Each wishes to capture and rule. That is to say, what does it mean when you have these two people fighting, these two within one city, to dominate its inhabitants according to his will? Each king says, this city is going according to me. So that they obey him in all that he decrees for them. Whatever I say, that's the way it's going to be. And just like when you have two kings fighting, it's a full war. And each king says, there is no place for the other king. There's no peace treaty here. This is, we're going to go all the way. So too, the two souls, the divine and the vitalizing soul that come from the klipa, the godly and animalistic soul, they're waging a war within the city of each one of us. Within each and every one of us there is this fight. And it's a serious fight. They wage war against each other over the body and all its limbs. There is a full-on fight over every... The godly soul says, not even the one strand of hair will I allow the animalistic soul to be in. And the animalistic soul says, I want this person to be so wicked, I won't even allow the godly soul to be in one strand of hair. Before we continue, over here we learn something fascinating. Normally, as children were taught, that there's a yeter hara and yeter tov. There is a godly inclination and an animalistic or a bad inclination. But that is true, but it's not the truth. Meaning, each one of our souls has a yeter tov and yeter hara. The good inclination and evil inclination is, is within each one of these souls. What is animalistic soul going to do? Well, there's a decision within the soul itself. What will the godly soul do? There's a decision. Over here we're learning that, no, it, there's not a fight over inclinations. That would be one type of fight. 
if it would be a fight over inclinations, then there would be one soul, and we're trying to see how is this soul going to act. That is not the way the body operates. There is not a fight over what each soul will be, no. Each soul has a full guided path. The godly soul knows exactly what it wants. And the animalistic soul knows exactly what it wants. And the fight is, which soul will win this fight? There are, it's, again, I just want to repeat this idea. If we would say there's only inclinations, it wouldn't be such a big fight. There's one soul, and I just, which part of the soul is going to win? That's not the way it is. There are two souls, each having a full-on fight. Back in the Tanya. Yeah. Question. Please, question. Okay. Godly soul, animal soul, Yetzirah, Yetzirah Tov. Yeah. The two are not analogous. No. Godly soul has Yetzirah and Yetzirah Tov. Right. Animal soul, they both have a struggle. Within each one, there's an inclination. What am I going to do next? Okay. Yeah. There's an inclination. Each have an inclination, but the struggle is between. The struggle we're talking about here is between the two soul itself. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. And not the inclination. Correct. Correct. Okay. And now what we're going to do is, we're going to discuss how serious the godly soul wants to control the body. It is the desire and will of the divine soul that she alone rule over the person and direct him. So, so this is A. The first detail is the godly soul says, I am the ruler, and that all his limbs should obey her. Everything listens to me. I'm the boss. Right. Step number two. Question. Let's take all the steps and see what the godly soul wants to do, and then we'll take questions. Step number two. And surrender themselves completely to her. The godly soul says, not only am I the boss, Every limb needs to tell me I'm the boss. They need to do what I'm going to say. They need to surrender themselves. There's no fight. It's not like when I want to do something, the foot's going to be like, oh, maybe. No, the foot's going to do it right away. That's step number two. That's B. C. And become a vehicle for her. Has your car ever asked you, where do you, has your car ever had a fight with you? Only Billum's donkey. That's the only story we have in the whole Torah where, where there was a fight between the car and the driver. Your vehicle never asks any questions. The body, the godly soul says, not only do I want the body to listen to me, I want the body to just be a vehicle. The second I think of something, run after it. Become a vehicle for her, as well as, and D, a robe instrument for ten faculties. I want the body to become an instrument for, for which my three powers of the godly, the godly soul is talking, my three powers of thought, speech, and action, machashava, dibra, and maise, I want the only thought of this person to be godly. The only speech of this person to be godly. The only action of this person to be godly. So the godly soul is saying, this person, this I'm going to go all the way. There will not be a strand that, it, that has an inclination the other way. The body will become a vehicle for me. All of which should pervade the organs of the body. And the entire body should be, and here comes detail number five that the godly soul says, permeated with them alone.
to the exclusion of any alien influence, God forbid. Clear. The godly soul says, everyone else out. Yes, Yeshua. Okay. This is the first text. This, I don't know what the Hebrew is, but in the English, the, God, the divine soul is referred to in the feminine and not the masculine. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it is in the Hebrew as well? Nishama is a, ma is a feminine word. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's a good question. Okay. Yeah. So the, so the translation to she is really just because Nishama is... That's right. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. So again, there's a fight of the animalistic soul and the godly soul. Now, here we're going to go ahead and discuss in, in greater detail this fight. Until now, we just said, oh, the godly soul wants to control the body. Now we're going to get into even greater specifics. And I don't know if any of you have heard this before, but is our doctor here or he left? Dr. Yosef is here? The Kabbalah tells us that the brain has three compartments. Kabbalah tells us the brain has three compartments. One of those compartments has within it Chachma, wisdom. The second compartment has Bina, understanding. And the third compartment has Das, knowledge. Three compartments. Chachma binandas. Let's see this inside. That is to say that the three brains, what's the three brains? Like I just said, Kabbalah shares with us that your brain has three parts that are in the head shall be permeated with Chabad of the divine soul. The godly soul says your brain only has Chachma bina and das of the divine soul. Namely, what does it mean to have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of the, God, of the godly soul? Namely, the wisdom of God and the understanding of Him. The wisdom, Chachma. Understanding, Bina, of God. And what type of wisdom? By pondering on His unfathomable and infinite greatness. Think about Hashem's greatness. And when you think about this, the godly soul says, what do I want from Gershon? And it, from there shall be born through the Das. Knowledge. You have Chachma. You have Bina, which creates Das. You have wisdom. You have knowledge. And those who create, you have wisdom and understanding. And those who create knowledge. And then the godly soul says, you know what's next, Yosef? The godly soul is telling you, I want awe. I want you to have fear in your mind. Fear of who? Fear of Hashem. And dread of God in your heart. Dread of God. You shouldn't be fearing what the animalistic soul wants you to fear. The animalistic soul says he wants you to fear a, an ox. You shouldn't go running the ox, right? Whatever, whatever fear the, the animalistic soul says. So that's the fear, so your wisdom, understanding, knowledge has to be of God, your fear should be of God, as well as love of God. What type of love? There's many types of love. And the godly soul wants the ultimate. It says, I don't want you to have a fake love to Hashem. I want you to have the second to greatest love. Momentarily we'll talk about the greatest love that the animalistic soul says. But I want you to have the second greatest love, which is 
as well as love of God that shall flare up like a glowing fire in your heart. I want your heart to be on fire, says a godly soul. Be on fire with the love of Hashem, like flaming coals. We all know what a fire looks like. It should be energetic. So that his soul shall yearn and long with passion and desire to cleave to the ain't safe, blessed he. The godly soul is going all the way. He says you love Hashem completely so much that you, you, you'll almost die. What do I mean? Well, let's look. What do we say in Shema? Next words. How much will your love be? With his whole heart, soul, and might. You should love Hashem with your whole heart, soul, and might. You should be able to give up everything for Hashem. Didn't we say that, I understand, I know, of course it says that in the Shema, but, just, but didn't we just say that the animalistic soul lies within the heart and the aren't they kind of mixing things here because we the divine soul is let me get back to that in one minute it's a very good question so the godly soul wants to have full control and you should love Hashem with your whole heart soul and mind from the very depth of the right ventricle of the heart and this will answer Gershon's question we said that the animalistic soul controls the whole body at times. How? It lives in the heart. But from the heart, it goes to the brain, just like your blood. Your blood is primarily in the heart. But from the heart, it goes to the brain, and it goes throughout the entire body. Your godly soul is primarily in the brain. From the brain, it goes throughout the whole body. But again, it, your godly soul is able to come into the heart. Did I answer the question, Garrison? If you look in footnote number 3, sorry, footnote number 13, you'll see the idea I mentioned earlier, the three intellectual faculties, Chachma, Bin, and Das, Chabad, have their corresponding physical brains. Zoya tells us that there's three parts within your brain, one for each one of the faculties, of uh, the intellectual faculties. Two more points before we continue. Point number one. What comes first in the order of the Sifirot? Love of God or fear of God? Which one comes first? Love. Love. And in the Tanya, what did Rabbi Shneir Zalman say comes first? Fear. He said, what, he said your wisdom, not understanding and knowledge should create awe in his mind and dread of God in his heart. Right. I don't understand. First, and, and the Tanya continues, as well as love of God. What do you mean? Love comes first. And then fear. So why is Shneer Zalman saying first comes fear and then love? Let's look together in footnote number 15. Awe is regarded as a preliminary to love. There is, however, a higher category of reverence which can be attained only after having attained love. So there's two types of fear. Fear of God. Fearing God, not because He's, God forbid, going to hurt you. Fearing God because of His greatness, how special He is. When you, 
when people would go to the Rebbe, they would say they became fearful. The Rebbe never hit someone in his life. They didn't become scared. There's an, there was a fear. Not the lower level of fear, a fear of, you know, I'm scared. If I don't listen to Hashem, something negative may happen. That's a lower yeah, you level. You mean awe, right? Uh, not, not fear, but awe. That's a higher level of fear. So there's even, there's, even, there's even a higher level of fear of God. And that could come from awe. They, that's a good point that you're bringing up. The specifics we'll deal with later in Tanya. But what I wanted to bring out is that although we're saying now that fear comes first, that's not a contradiction to what we normally learn that love comes first. Because this is only a preliminary and basic level of fear. Point A. Point B. Why is the godly soul so intent on destroying the animalistic soul? Why can't they give him a little place? Because if he gives him an inch, he'll take a yard. <laughs> Fair enough. If he gives him an inch, he'll take a yard. and I, A lot of validity there. But there's something much greater. And that is, there's only one body. And if the animalistic soul is there, that means wherever the animalistic soul is, it's not listening to the godly soul. We don't have a body, and the body is able, we can't have two things within it. We're going to be getting bad instructions. How could you have, well, your one arm is listening to the godly soul, one arm listening to the animalistic soul, it doesn't, it doesn't work. The godly soul recognizes there's one body. And it's not a matter that I don't... It, it's not that the animalist, the godly soul is a fighter and he wants to fight because he likes... He doesn't like fighting. But he knows he can't be successful so long as the animalistic soul is there. And, and that's I, why he has to control. That's right. And this is important. We, we know Jewish people, we're not fighters. We never like to hurt. But if someone's standing in the way of something positive... If the animalistic soul is standing in my way, I have, to, I have to get rid of him. I have no choice. Any questions? Okay, let's, let's continue on. Let's make a summary and then we'll move ahead. So until now we've said that there's this full-on war and we've got into specifics sharing how the, animal, how the godly soul says the wisdom not understanding and knowledge, the love and fear, should all be only for God and nothing else at all. What type of love did we discuss until now? What was the terminology for the love? Anyone remember? Like a fire. Until now we spoke about a love of Hashem like fire. Truth be told, that is a lower level of love. The greatest level of love is the love of Hashem that is compared to calm water. What does this mean? You have a child that's far away from home. He misses his parents. His heart is on fire for his parents. He really wants to see them. That's a level of love. It's a true level of love. But it's nothing close to the love of a child that's next to his father. He sees them every single day and he still has a burning love for his father. At that point his heart's not on fire. It's going to be like calm water. But that is a much greater level of love. Your, your father's right here. 
and you, you still have this wonderful and awesome connection with him, you still want to be able to connect with him, that's much greater. So until now, the love we spoke about, it was very great and important. You're on fire. But that is not the love that's going to accomplish the mission. What is the mission here? Our mission now is to remove the animalistic soul. Our mission is to be able to guide each and every one of us here. Bajra should leave this class and have some instruction how to continue on. Well, what is that instruction? The instruction is going to be that not that our heart should be on fire. That our heart should be completely consumed. Just one thing with Hashem. There's no fire anymore. I'm, I'm one. It's not, we're not on fire. Let's see this inside. We're go, what, we're, what we're going to explain is that so long as the heart is on fire, we will not be able to fully turn over the animalistic soul. If the love is only the love of a fire, it's limited. We need to go ahead and create this much greater level of love, the level of this calming water. Let's see this inside. We're right now in the right-hand column, page 38. Now let's start again from the bottom of the left-hand column, last line, as well. Again, we're saying that the animalistic, that the godly soul wants to create love. Last line of the left-hand column, page 38. As well as love of God, the, the godly soul wants a love of Hashem that shall flare up like a glowing fire in his heart, like flaming coals. So that his soul shall yearn and long with passion and desire to cleave to the Ain Sof. Blessed is he. What type of cleaving should the godly soul have for Hashem with all his heart? With all his soul? And with all his might? From the very depth of the right ventricle of the heart. Create this flaming fire. <coughs> the latter would be so thoroughly permeated with love when you have this flaming fire. So right now, the, the right ventricle of the heart is on fire, and if there's a fire, well then, it's overflowing. And it's going to go now to the left side as well. The flaming fire of the godly soul is going to go now to the left side, to the animalistic soul. Remember, the animalistic soul is on the left side. To the extent of subduing the sitra achara. Okay, we didn't turn over the evil, but we've subdued it. This flaming fire, it's gone from the right-hand side to the left-hand side. It's gone from the side where the, go where the godly soul is. It's now permeated the animalistic soul, and it has subdued it with its elements of the evil waters. Remember, everything is made up of four elements. And we said in godliness also, the souls are made up of the four elements. Test. Does anyone remember in chapter 1? We said the animalistic soul. What comes from the element of water within the animalistic soul? Pleasure. Okay, you, you want a lollipop. <laughs> the, we learned that water creates. Water creates pleasures. 
So water is the, the element of water within the, within the animalistic soul is pleasures. When I want to win over the animalistic soul, which one of the four elements is the primary element I need to focus on? I need to focus on primarily the element of water, the element of pleasures. That is an, the animalistic soul is all about pleasures. So if I could focus, if I could catch the animalistic soul within the element of water, I'm a winner. And that's what we're saying here. To the extent of subduing the Sitra Akhra with its element of the evil waters, the evil water is a representation of pleasure, namely the lust stemming from Klipat Noga. Changing it, now we need to take this lust and we don't want to kill it. So we know, you know Rabbi Schneir Zalman, he one time received a box a snuff box and he took the top for a mirror first fill-in he took the top of the box okay. he separated, he didn't break it this, he, he took out the screws and he used the top for, to, to be able to check that his fill-in is centered on his head because everything, if, even if you're not going to use something, everything has a purpose. There is nothing extra in this world. Evil itself has a purpose, which we'll get to next week. It has a very, very important purpose. So, our mission here is not to destroy. Our mission is to transform. We don't want to destroy the animalistic soul. If someone says they're destroying it, they're off target. And by the way, if you destroy the animalistic soul, you're a loser. Because the animalistic soul has so much to offer you. The godly soul is very boring. The godly soul it doesn't like to move around, it likes to stand in one place, it has no energy. If you want it, the animalistic soul, it's full of, it's, it's on fire, it's running around, it's going crazy. So if you're going to take the animalistic soul and transform it and work with your godly soul, then you'll be a good person that's crazy. You'll get things done. So, our mission is not to destroy. Our mission is to transform. Let's finish this idea and then we'll, we'll, we'll make a summary and conclude. Namely, the lust stemming from Klipat Noga. Our mission is to change it and transform it. Here comes a key from seeking the pleasures of this world to seeking the love of God. That is our mission. To take the animalistic soul and transform it. And thus it is written with all your heart. Bechalavavcha. is in the plural. With both of your hearts. With both your natures. Your mission is to love Hashem, not with your godly soul. That's not a mission. There's nothing to it. Your mission is to love Hashem with your animalistic soul. But how do you do that? The, the fire, the love of Hashem as a fire is not going to cut. If, let's make a summary and we'll leave with the question that we're holding by. In summary. And then we'll conclude with questions. In summary, we've discussed that there is a full-on war between the godly soul and the animalistic soul. But what's fascinating is we've moved on to now discuss what does the godly soul want? He does not want to destroy the animalistic soul. Not at all. He's going to be a loser. Why would he want to be a loser? He wants to be a winner. He wants to take the animalistic soul and transform it. He wants to take the animalistic soul that has a desire. It's full of lust. Well, rather than lusting bad things, let it come and love Hashem. A crazy love of Hashem. Rabbi Shmuel Munkus, he was a chassid of Rabbi Shneir Zalman. And he, 
he was on fire. He would do crazy things. <laughs> he one time was hanging upside down on the on the front on the front um, gate, and his friends came and said, "Rabbi Shmuel, what are you doing? You're, you're crazy." He says, "What do you mean? You ever went to a shoe store? What's in front of the shoe store? You have shoes. If you go to a clothing store, what's in front? You have shirts. What should be in front of the Rebbe's house? His chassidim." So he's hanging upside down. The, he had a fantastic, he had a love, he had a passion, he was on fire. He would do these energetic things and that is our mission. What we haven't concluded and that we're going to continue next week is transforming your animalistic soul is not going to happen by the love of a flaming fire. It's not going to do it. Why and how we can accomplish it, we'll do that, we'll talk about that next week. Let's take questions. Yes, hello, Shlomo. I'm a little bit confused. I thought we were supposed to be overtaken by the godly. So now you're saying that uh, the animalistic soul, if I understood right, is take, kind of winning or taking us over. Did I misunderstand? You could go and conquer a nation. You have two choices. You could take the, uh, let's just say for example, to the fight between France and Spain. So France could go into Spain and destroy everything they've organized and get rid, of their, get rid of their army. Or France could come to Spain and win them and say, you know, you have such a good army, now you'll be, you'll be incorporated in our army. Using out the army that Spain already has is going to be much greater. The same thing here. The, the, animalist, the godly soul is the one that wants to control. But it knows that if it could use out the army, if it could use out the positive of the animalistic soul, it will get much further. So no, we're never saying the animalistic soul should be ruling, but we're saying the animalistic soul should be active following the orders of the godly soul. Okay. Yeah. Michael, you had a question? Is the idea of fire, the concept of burning and fire, is that borrowed from not the person? No. Came, came prior. Uh, there was a question if the idea of burning, on the, of a burning and loving fire was a reference from Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And I'm just sharing that. Uh, Shnezam came a little prior. But aside from that, the idea of a burning, a burning um, fire, a love like a burning fire, is actually referenced already in Tanakh. We have references like that. Is uh, the reference, the burning desire, is that with the sons of Korah, not Korah, <coughs> the sons of Aaron? They were killed by fire, which we use as a euphemism, another word for the love, yes. the fire of the love, and they want you to be one with Hashem. So it was, they brought in a bad fire, you know, right. bad incense fire, and God killed them with fire. Right. And is that somehow a reference? So, so Vicky Avivas bring up a great point, and that is that just like we're learning today, the children of Aaron had had this burning fire, like we're learning, their heart was on fire. But the problem was that they didn't do it in the appropriate place, in the yeah. appropriate method. And that was their, their sin. But yes, the fire that the children of Aaron had was a very holy fire. The, the thirst, the love that they had for Hashem was very good. What happened was that love went a little too far and said, let's go that place we're not allowed. But yes, yes. Well, we don't know. 
The Ra- Rashi says, yes, fair, fair observation. Rashi says that they had, were Shisuya Yaya, they had drunk. Oh, really? Shisuya Yaya, they had, had, had some wine prior. But I don't want, this topic is a very fascinating topic, it's for another time, the full length of it. Any, uh, any other questions? We'll take one more question, then we'll conclude. Yes, Michael. Well, go ahead. Does he teach also that everyone has a problem and an animal soul? Or do, uh, do Jews only have a godly soul and no animal soul? Okay, good question. We have a question here. Do Jewish, do Jewish people only have a godly soul, no animalistic soul? Correct? And oh, does everyone have a representative? And does everyone have a godly and animalistic soul? The, the answer is that every single entity in this world has a soul. Like we discussed last week, Hashem is recreating the world constantly, every single second, and if, he would, if the soul of a rock would disappear, the rock would disappear. So every single item in this world has a soul. The idea of the two souls is something that is, is unique to, to the Jewish people. The, the, the godly soul and the animalistic soul and... Um, and the fight of the, t- of the two souls. Yeah. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a wonderful evening.